It's sweet. It's seductive. Is it deadly? The dangers of sugar. I think that sugar is a main contributing factor. Serious new warnings from serious people. The more I learn about it, the more it scares me. Why would an investing podcast talk about the war on sugar? Are we going to sell off some of the sugary stock and companies we own in our portfolios? You see, there was once a time that humans liked sugar. Actually, according to the host and the guests of the Freakonomics radio show, in an episode fittingly called There's a War on Sugar, humans once loved sugar. Sugar started out as a, a minor commodity that was used for medicine and for spice up until, oh, I would say into the Middle Ages. For example, uh, Persia or, you know, Iran today, it was very, very popular among the elite. And they are the ones that started this, this trend, this architecture of sugar. And they would make beautiful sculptures, often life, for example, life-size trees. So if something that was once widely known as valuable and it was generally accepted that consuming it is a good thing, turned out to be not so good, so much so that we start a war against it, is there anything else that is currently widely accepted in our society as the right thing to do that might turn out to be wrong in the future? Specifically, is there anything in the world of investing that comes to your mind? The, the answer is to buy and hold the stock market, very well exemplified by the 500, and hold it forever. And that's the winning strategy. Passive index fund investing is arguably the most well-accepted wisdom of the modern-day finance. Borrowing some wisdom from the nutrition and health industry Sometimes things that are deemed to be not so good for you now were once considered healthy. Sugar was once considered a medicine, and we now have started a war against it. Can passive index fund investing be the new sugar? From Stucker.io, this is Renegade Investors, the show that rebels against the conventional wisdom of investing. We are Hoda and Arash, your hosts and the co-founders of StockCard. The conversation on this show is not investment advice. The hosts and their guests may or may not have invested in the companies we discuss. Don't make investment decisions solely based on what you hear on this show. Hello, podcast listeners. It's Hoda, co-founder and CEO of StockCard. Before we begin, I wanted to ask you for something. If you like our show, or if you have any feedback for us, please take a moment to write a review and share it with us. We take your feedback very seriously, and we really appreciate if you can subscribe to our show and give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to our show. Both our company, StockCard.io, and our podcast show, Renegade Investors, are in the startup phase. Your feedback and your rating is like fuel to our growth. Looking forward to reading your comments and reviews and hearing your feedback. Please do it today. With that, let's get started with today's show. If you invest in an index fund passively, you are investing in a financial product that is indexing or better said, 
mirroring or following the performance of the overall stock market of a country, a basket of stocks, or a specific sector. You don't pick any company over another, and you gradually, regularly, and steadily add your investments over the course of weeks, months, and years. These index funds charge you a very small fee, and in the past 30 years or so, at least in the United States, they have become the talk of the town. They are so widespread and easy to use that the common wisdom of investing in our era is to simply pick an index fund and passively pour your money into it gradually, like every month, and let it ride the wave into long-term prosperity. I mean, investment is a pretty simple thing. Investment is owning businesses, or I would say being an inveterate index fund person, owning all of American business, owning every company in America, uh, letting capitalism do its work. Uh, those companies will grow at probably around 7% a year. They'll pay you at about a 25 somewhat lower than history, but a 2.5% dividend yield. And that should, over time, bail you out of anything that happens because of the wild swings. I mean, if you visualize investment as growing in kind of a steady line, which it does, and visualize the crazy market as being all these jags up and down around this steady line, upward, upward, always upward, I think, um, then you've got to say, I know I'm not smart enough to get out at the high. I know I'm not smart enough to get back in at the low. So I'm just going to stay the course, as we would say at Vanguard, and hang on through all that. And importantly, if I'm trying to accumulate money for retirement, or to buy a home, or to educate my children. What you want to do is keep investing. And, you know, say, how can I keep investing the day that the market goes down 600 points? That's the greatest time in the world to invest. Certainly better, better than doing it the day before, before it goes down 600 points. If you don't recognize the voice, that is the voice of late Jack Bogle. Vanguard founder and the creator of the index fund industry. This was in a conversation in an old interview with Morningstar at Vanguard's conference. Sadly, he passed away a few weeks ago. Following his renegade attitude to the world of investing, in this episode, we are questioning the merits of passive index fund investing as a way to show our gratitude and respect to the man who took the financial industry by storm. The story of Jack Bogle and how he went about starting an index fund is one amazing tale of entrepreneurship and resiliency that has given birth to a trillion-dollar industry, the index fund industry. I don't know too many entrepreneurs, not even most of the unicorns of Silicon Valley, who have created new trillion-dollar industries. But Jack Bogle has done just that. Almost 30% of global funds invested are poured into passive index funds. And according to Moody's latest research, the index funds will grab more than half of the assets in the investment management business by the year 2024. So it is no surprise that even the savviest investors, like venture capitalists that I've been talking to, and people with the most diligence about their money and financial matters, think that the best way to invest in the stock market, at least, is through passive investing in an index fund. But are we sure about index funds and passively investing in them? Does index investing work all the times? 
On that day, I think it was December 29, 1989, the Nikkei Index, which is the index for the Tokyo Stock Exchange, hit a record of over 39,000. Within two years, it had withered to 14,000, and it bottomed out at 8,000 just over a decade later. So it lost approximately 80% of its value. Oh, the Japanese stock market lost decade. The peak was the last day of the 1980s. The last day of trading on the Nikkei Stock Exchange in 1989 was its historic peak. That was Professor William Tutui, a professor of history at 2009 Summer Teacher Institute Summit at the University of Chicago. He was telling the tale of the Japanese economy and its stock market crash, also known as the lost decade. What happened in Japan was things were going to end in 95 in the sense that there was a recovery. But then the government messed up. The second voice is Adam Posen from the Peterson Institute. He was doing an interview with NPR Planet Money podcast host uh, a few years ago. Essentially, the message I want to get across is Japan didn't have to turn out to be a lost decade. It could have been bad three years and done. But because the government made didn't do stimulus, in fact, actually tightened policy, actually raised taxes, reduced the amount of government spending in the economy, even were very slow to cut interest rates. And at the same time, the government didn't intervene properly in the banks. The banks just kept making the problem worse. They kept putting money into bad purposes and doing less lending. Just like what Adam said, if you Google the Japanese stock market in the past 30 years, it's not too difficult to find articles and posts about how the Japanese stock market in the past 30 years um, is the living proof that the passive index fund investing concept doesn't work. To be honest, I've heard that example so many times, but never really looked into the logic behind it until today. If there is a chance that passive index fund investing might not work, and if the Japanese stock market is a living proof example of that, I would definitely want to know. Now, if you take the Japanese stock market index and draw a line, you get a declining line. Therefore, for sure, the Japanese stock market has lost quite a lot of value over the course of the past 30 years, even though it has been recovering nicely, specifically in the past couple of years. You may or may not get surprised to hear this, but if you look at the index of any stock market around the world, including the S&P 500, which is the collection of the largest companies in the United States, and play with your timeline long enough, you can always find two points of time that if you draw a line between those two, the line will be either flat or declining. For example, if you look at MSCI US index, ticker MSUSA, which is a index fund of the overall stock market in the United States, and you draw a line between September of 2017 and uh, February, January of 2019, you get a flat line. And you can do the same thing with S&P 500 index or any other index that you would want to all around the world. So did we just confirm that passive index investing doesn't work? Oh, no. Well, not too fast. 
all stock market indices have periods of flat and declining growth, and that doesn't necessarily disqualify the merits of passive index investing. Because the whole notion of passive index investing is about gradual, steady investing in good times and bad times. If we take the Japanese stock market and assume that we have been investing $100 per month in the index since, let's say, 1994, what do you think would happen? Well, 1994 is a few years after the actual big crash in the Japanese stock market, but it is still in that so-called lost decade we've heard about. I was expecting to see a dismal return in actually a negative return. But to my surprise, the return of investing $100 per month in the Japanese stock market index amidst the lost decade until today is about 24%. Positive 24%. My reaction was, what? Investing in an index fund even during the so-called loss decade would have made me some reasonable return? Of course, if we do the same calculation for the US stock market index, the total return will be around 140%. While a steady and gradual indexing of the Japanese stock market index would not have been the best investment between 1994 and 2019, compared to what you could have earned in the United States, certainly it has not been as bad as what we have originally assumed. So let's pause here. It seems like I'm saying index investing works. Even in the case of the Japanese market, if you just mindlessly invest your money in an index fund and let it ride, it works. Just like what everybody else is telling you to do these days. Did we now confirm that index investing works? The answer to that question comes after a quick break. So listeners, have you visited StockCart.io's portfolio store yet? Every month, my team and I pick a new theme or an interesting trend that is somehow shaping and impacting how we all live and look for interesting investment opportunities within that theme. For example, in January of 2019, we started a theme called the beaten down stock market. Because the stock market had a few bad months at the end of 2018, many well-managed companies were sold off, and that gave us great opportunity to invest in companies we had been watching for a long time at a much reasonable price levels. That investment theme is now up by 13% as of the date of recording this podcast. We would love to invite you to join our StockCard VIP program and invest with us as we look into new investment themes and trends every month. Hope to see you there. And now, back to the show. Before the break, we talked about how investing $100 per month in the Japanese stock market index since the middle of the last decade until today would have made you 24% richer. Not as good as what you could have gained investing the same amount of money every month in the US stock market index, but it's still better than keeping your money in cash and much better than what I had imagined it could be. 
So the last decade wouldn't have been as lost as everybody else talks about it had you started investing somewhere in middle of that last decade. Does that mean index investing work? Let me share another piece of information about my analysis. As I downloaded the information for the comparison between the US index and the Japanese index, I also downloaded the information for a few other markets. Canada, Germany, Italy, France, the UK, and even the overall world's index. Just like Japan and the US, I assume I have been investing $100 per month in each of those stock market indices from February of 1994. You know what I found? All markets and the global index led to an overall increase in my investments, except one. And that exception was in Japan, as you all know. But can you guess investing $100 per month in which of the G7 countries' stock market index would not have made you richer in the past 25 years? If you've guessed Italy, you are correct. Investing $100 per month in Italy's stock market index would have costed you 24% in your wealth. You would have lost 24% of the sum of the cash you had invested in Italy if you were an Italian and had listened to Jack Bogle and had just mindlessly said and forget investing in your country's index funds since 1984. Astonishing, right? After all, it's in Japan and the last decade that is questioning the wisdom of passive index fund investing, rather it is Italy. When you dance down the street with a cloud at your feet, you're in and sell all your Italian index investments and funds? Hear me out. On the spreadsheet where I did my analysis, if you scroll up and down the years, the result changes year by year, month by month. Italy was ahead for the first 10 years or so, and then fell behind and ahead and behind and so on. And in the past couple of years, especially in 2018, it has been dealing with national debt issues and the talk of leaving the EU among many other problems in their economy. And those things have sent the overall stock market index in Italy down. In the course of the past 25 years of data I have on my spreadsheet, every other index fund of the G7 and the global index fund have had similar periods. The point I'm making now is that passive index fund investing in its pure form of set and forget may not work in all markets. What you are indexing matters. Putting Italy and the strengths of its economy aside, this analysis opens the door to a much broader issue. 
Even Jack Bogle has warned us in one of his last interviews. These days, the financial industry has found a way to use the popularity of the index fund investing, and it is running on full speed. The number of index funds created and being traded and the fees they are charging for such funds is mind-boggling. Here is late Jack Bogle again in his 2018 conversation with Maria Bartiromoro's Wall Street Show. Let me explain it this way. We've changed the business, the indexing business, from an index, passive index, held by passive investors, to passive indexes held by active investors. A lot of trading goes on in ETF land, and uh, that's not such a good thing. No, that's definitely not good. It's pretty incredible what has happened with indexes. I mean, look at how many index funds there are. 5,000 index funds today (laughs) versus the number of stocks lower, 3,485 stocks. What does that tell us? (laughs) It tells us that people are crazy, Maria. (laughs) We don't need 5,000 index funds or 6,000. The whole idea of index funds was simplify, simplify, simplify right out of Ralph Waldo Emerson. Uh, Simplify is everything. And uh, we've now complicated it by giving people many choices and building a system where they can trade those choices into growth and out of value, out of value and into growth, and so on. And so there's too much trading going on, which is the, the investor's enemy, finally. So after all, passive index fund investing can be like sugar. With the way Wall Street is going about it, passive index investing that is currently known as the best thing every investor can do might one day turn into the cause of cancer, metaphorically, of course. It's a shame because the financial industry is now moving away from Jack Bogle's magnificent contribution to the world of investing. Jack created the index fund and prove to people that the fees they are paying to their investment managers doesn't necessarily mean better investing or higher return. And by investing steadily in an index of the overall market, you can save a lot in fees and make better return compared to the money managers. It looks like that the common wisdom of personal finance that has got so many smart people to throw in the towel and quit making active decisions may turn out to be problematic in a few years down the road. Notice that I'm talking about active decision making and not necessarily about active investing. Investing in anything that comes with the name index in it it's not necessarily and universally a correct course of action. Passive index investing can work only when you put some effort into understanding which index to invest in and how much you are being charged for it. Don't pay fees to money managers to pick and trade index funds for you, even if they call it passive. It's contrary to what index funds are good for. And lastly, not too much different from investing in individual companies, all indices go through ups and down cycles. If you pick the right index, then investing steadily in that index, even when it is falling, is the best thing to do for your overall return over the years. And that's what I would call 
active investment decision making. It's about being mindful and aware of what is it that you are investing in, how much you are being charged for, and being in control of the decisions that is being made over your finances over the course of years. We'll see you next time. Our website is stockcard.io. Stockcard is a cheat sheet for long-term stock market investors. Sign up and create a free account with one click. All right, folks, that's it for this episode of Renegade Investors. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you had fun listening to us, give us a review. We read all of your reviews and comments. You may even get featured in the future episodes. Nobody said, seemed very interested in me. Uh, The head of the Pennsylvania company looked at me and said, what do we need you for? This is a lesson in humility here. (laughs) So uh, after six months of struggle and unpleasantness, uh, nasty stuff, close calls, ups and downs, laughter and tears, the directors finally voted to do that, but wouldn't give me the Wellington name, even though Wellington Fund was part of my, uh, I I was the head of Wellington Fund. So I had to create a new name. And the name was... I hope you're sitting down for this. <laughs> Vanguard. And uh, the first thing we did uh, in a strategic way was to start the world's first index fund.